Welcome to the For Columbus Podcast. Sharing inspiring stories of local faith leaders from congregations, parachurch ministries, and the marketplace. With your host, Adam Ward. All right. What's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of hearing a game-changing story of a Columbus area resident. And this week, another great guest, Natalia. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Thanks for having me. So, Natalia Chase, who is now the Unified Director, you've had a history that precedes what amazing event I'm about to talk about at the end of this episode. And I want you to share that whole story with the listeners because it sets the stage so important for how relevant what you're doing today. And uh, if we go back, East Side Columbus, when you were... (laughs) <laughs> when you were a child and you were raised by your biracial, yes, um, raised by Christian parents, first mm-hmm. generation Christian parents mm-hmm. on the east side of Columbus. Yep. Tell us what, what that was like. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my parents were Christians. Um, of course, they've been married for 44 years. So you can imagine as a, an interracial couple, the challenges that they would have faced, you know, back in the 70s. So I, I think one of the big challenges surrounding their marriage was they had folks who supported them, but then also a lot of their Christian friends um, were not in support of an interracial marriage. And so they found themselves really kind of isolating, I think, kind of to mm. protect themselves from, you know, they didn't know what they would get. And um, we did have support in our local church that I grew up in the first 30 years of my life. Um, but even then, I, looking back, I could just really see how there was a guardedness and even, you know, just relationally, even people who would have an interest in, like, hanging out with them, you know, they, you know, there there was just definitely a guardedness because there was a lot of hurt, mm-hmm. you know. So, and we we uh, can see coming out of yeah. you know the civil rights era yeah. in the U.S. and the the pressure that your parents must have faced um, being biracial. But you were sharing with me right before this. That your sons, who are teenagers now, yeah. were facing that in the suburbs, just recently, yeah. and that there's still this tension that your parents mm-hmm. have had to endure for 44 years, and and but now your your sons are going through the same thing. Yeah, today. it has been um, a challenge. Something I didn't think would surface at this juncture. But, uh, yeah, my my middle son had a challenge with his best friend. So my sons, my husband is black, so my sons are black. And um, just even, you know, you just think, like, there's kind of a more accepting mindset. But my middle son had a best friend and in school, and we kept trying to get a play date together for a year. And then finally, both my son and his best friend were like, okay why is this not happening? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I keep passing along my phone number for the other 
um, parent to connect with me, and it just hadn't happened. And so long story short, um, both kids decided to really press their parents because they needed this play date to happen mm-hmm. like during the summer, you know. And, <laughs> and so anyhow, it ended up coming out that uh, the other boy's father said, that he's not allowed to play with black black kids and it was very hurtful for my son and so yeah. at the time this was first grade so they were best friends in kindergarten and first grade my son is a, a sophomore now and um anyhow my my son as a first grader was like mom what are you going to do about it well i happened to know that a friend i'm sorry i, I happen to know that the mother uh, would pick up her her daughter like halfway through the day just because I would go and have lunch with my sons mm-hmm. once a week at the school, and so um, I had s- seen the mother and I happened to know that that was his mother. So I went and I just asked her. I said, "Hey, you know, our my son said that your son said the play date isn't happening because it's you know my son is black." And immediately she burst into tears mm. and just began denying it. And it was, I was taken aback because I, you know, I was fully expecting her to be like, what? He's, he's saying those kinds of mm. things, you know, just not aware of it. You know, um, sometimes our kids can say crazy things, but it just was a totally different response, um, almost like an omission, you know, um, and so, anyhow, uh, of course, she, she denied it, but then um, shortly after, actually it was that evening, I got a voicemail from her in tears, and um, and then that's when I learned that it was the dad who was against, you know, their son playing mm-hmm. with a, a black child, and so it was very hurtful for my son, and then, you know, just in the years that followed, um, you know, Trayvon Martin and so many different things, there have been things that we've almost learned to live with because we're just like, this is the environment we live in, you know. So if my sons are cold, I, I never let them wear their hood up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, especially not in the suburbs. And it hasn't been out of fear or anything like that. It's just, you know, the com- the finished work of Christ has mm-hmm. not happened, you know, in um, the world yet. And so we have to be wise. And, um, and so this has just been, it's sad to say, but almost like, I almost feel like I normalized. I didn't try to, it was just part of our lives, you know, Mm -hmm. and things that we think about. And so, yeah, so it has been kind of relevant even in today's day and age. Um, and we've had, you know, some other things happen, like even just, so that, that was, you know, a number of years ago, but, um, one I didn't share was my son, my oldest son plays club soccer. So he's going into his senior year and we were, um, a couple hours North of here and, uh, he's got a great club that he's a part of. And just, uh, I believe it was back in April, we had a situation where our, so our goalie is black and we were winning. There was about 10 minutes left in the game. We were fully going to win this game. And um, there was kind of a run in where another kid ran into our goalie. But when he stood up over the goalie, he called him a monkey. And of course, it sent everybody in an uproar. And wow. he, the, my son's team, you know, which is a very mixed team mm. um, of white and black players from, you know, just different uh, areas around the city, 
but um, anyway, everybody just took a knee, and the, the, the young man even ended up admitting that he said that. Uh, the ref said they didn't hear it, so, um, so it wasn't dealt with in the game, but um, a beautiful thing happened in that my son's team really came together after that. It, it changed the dynamic of the team, so what the enemy meant for evil, God used for good. But these things are still happening, and they are like daggers in the hearts of, you know, kids who are just out having fun, you mm-hmm. know, and doing the right thing. So, wow, I'm gonna put a pin in that for just a second yeah. because I, I want to talk about your church experience. You've you've been involved with, yeah. in churches your whole life, but one of the things that you said, like I said, is you never want to be on staff at a church. <laughs> That's like something you you were trying to avoid, yeah. but lo and behold, you find yourself as an interim. Uh, staff member here is on the worship team at yeah. one of the churches in Columbus. Yeah. And uh, so how did that pivot in your life, like, impact, mm-hmm. you know, you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was sure, you know, just as my husband and I serving in lay positions, being elders and worship leaders and different things like that, that um, just being so deeply involved that I definitely was like, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm good just being a lay person. But um, it was really an act of the Lord because the when the invitation was extended to come on staff and help, you know, be a part of um, what was happening in the worship ministry. And, um, you know, I I didn't apply for it. It was not anything like that. It was just literally one of the pastors heard the Lord speak while he was away, I believe, preaching at a conference in another state. It was either like Atlanta or in Arizona, one of the two, and sent me a message and said, we have to meet. This is this has only happened to me a couple times um, in my lifetime, but when the Lord speaks and puts someone on my heart in the way that he did, I know I have to uh, connect with him. So mm-hmm. Once he got off the plane, we met at the church, and I didn't even know why we were meeting. And the Lord, um, I don't know if he knew why. (laughs) (laughs) So when we got in the meeting, so he was like, talk. (laughs) And I was like, are you sure? You know, (laughs) Because this was a time I was really going through some deconstruction in my faith. And um, I, I shouldn't even say particularly in my faith, it was more my processing um, the church as we know it, mm. you know? And so... Um, Which I think that a lot of listeners and a lot of people can relate to that because the adult Christian and the child mm-hmm. Christian, if you've, if you've been raised in the church, seems to be at odds with each other because you were raised up one way you didn't necessarily experience it although we were experiencing it like i know a lot of people that come up and say adam yeah i have had the same thing where i had to reassess my faith and say say where it isn't the western church um and you could you know evangelical church it's it's easy for us to see you know is this part working or is that mm-hmm. part working? Is this not working? Yeah. And if you go back to scripture, it, it's, it's, it gets tricky yeah. personally. So that, that's what yeah. you're going through this. Yeah. During this juncture, uh, that's what I was going through. And, 
So, yeah, so as, you know, and I'm leading worship for um, these large groups of people, and it at first it was exhilarating, and then I started realizing, like, that my flesh was rejoicing, but there was a little piece in me that was dying, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, God, what is that? And I began to search it out and um, show me that all the effort that I'm going through and even the really all the struggles that my family, you know, and just spiritual um, affliction, you know, I felt like every time, you know, I was going to lead somewhere, we were just getting hit hard, you know. And so it was really a family choice to walk into this because as worshipers, we know we're, we are warriors, you know. We, it's just like um, in the Old Testament, they sent out the worshipers ahead of the army, you know, because there's so much damage that has mm. done, you know, spiritually. And so it felt like a fight. And I'm like, I'm going through all this. My family is going through all of this. Um, God, show me that it's worth it. Mm. So the Lord started, it was amazing after I started asking, like, what is the impact of worship after Sunday? And it was so interesting because I had a man come up to me and he, uh, after one service and he said, I just felt led to share my testimony with you. Hmm. So he tells me that he's from the Middle East, that he was a devout Muslim, and he ends up sharing with me his story about how uh, through worship, that's how he came to Christ. And he was not wanting to go anywhere near a church, but they had an outdoor event that there was worship playing and he said, I'll go get food because they, they needed some food, you know, Mm. but the worship was so powerful. He found himself circling this tent till by the end of the night, he was kneeling down at the front of the altar and he gave his life to the Lord. And it was in worship that our worship was what impacted Mm -hmm. him. Like he could not deny the power and presence of God. And then I had an, um, an Indian friend tell me her story grew up devout Hindu Same thing. She said that she never felt anything and the many gods that they worshipped. Mm -hmm. and But she would always find that when she was um, going through a really difficult time in life, she would find that she would end up parking in a Christian church um, parking lot, you know? Hmm. And I don't even know if she realized that she was doing it until uh, one day she said she was going through a difficult time, pulled over, and... uh, parking lot of a church and a pastor approached her car and basically uh, shared some things with her and read her mail like Mm. she was undone (laughs) and then there was uh, at Ohio State a friend who invited her to a small group and believe it or not this friend they used to go drinking together so the friend was kind of in and out you know um, faith wise too but anyway she ended up getting saved and so just and just the impact of worship on her the way she you know explained it I'm like okay god this is cool but then after that um there was still so I was blessed by that but then I started noticing I think inadvertently and that you know the gospel message that was shared um I think sometimes we take for granted that the congregants already know or understand it because I think when I was growing up you know 42 years ago like most people knew the gospel story they were just having to you know choose whether they wanted to follow it or not nowadays it seems like you know many churched really don't 
you know, know their word, you know, mm-hmm. that's not everywhere. But so anyhow, I think it's fair to say we have, uh, high levels of Bible illiteracy. Yes, now. that's, yeah. that's it. And so me included, I take for granted that there is that Bible illiteracy there. And so, um, often when we, you know, hear the gospel, not everywhere again, but preached um, and in some of the contexts that I was in, you know, and leading worship for, um, as God began to kind of reveal that and open that up, um, and it wasn't something I noticed before, but as he began to open it up, it, it I realized that this was part of the grieving that folks were, you know, coming to Christ or making a, ch- a choice to come to Christ, but it wasn't the full gospel. It might have been, you know, do you want to come to Christ so Jesus will slay your giants, you know? And we all want that. In context of a sermon. Right, in context yeah. of a whole sermon. And so, but I know the those who are preaching um, are good-hearted people. It was, I, I never felt like it was, this is a conspiracy. Yeah, you know, yeah. it wasn't anything like that. But, um, so anyhow, this was just part of my process or deconstruction or, you know, what I've known as the church and... Um, yeah, part of the challenges, the internal challenges that I was having and facing. Um, so you, you, a lot of us make this assumption yeah. that people know more than they do right. about the Bible. Yeah. And then, but then also that w- w- it's not always crystal clear on mm-hmm. what the gospel is, what it does, what it's right. meant to do. Yeah. But you, you got to this point where, or you felt God saying, Hey, find the pockets where I'm moving. Yep. Be a fire starter. Yep. Don't don't judge the church. Yeah, don't. <laughs> and then when you have a voice, you know, when you're asked. So um, going back to starting, you know, actually becoming a staff member on uh, in an, in a church, mm-hmm. you know, um, which was a challenge for me. Really, so this pastor when he flew in town and said, "Talk." This is what came out, you mm-hmm. know. And but what was amazing is after that um, conversation. Um, then he went and preached a message. I mean, just the bloody, gory, you know, (laughs) cross and then the amazing resurrection. And it was insane. I've never seen so many people come and make a decision for Christ. And it wasn't me by any, because there's lots of people seeing this and um, recognizing it. And like I said, I feel like it's inadvertent, you know, Um, but it was just so beautiful. And then also, it was also beautiful that I could share all of that to um, the pastor. <laughs> and he was like, come be on staff. Yeah. <laughs> and so it wasn't, uh, and I loved that I could just be that honest. That was so healing for me, too, mm-hmm. you know, um, to say this is what I'm working through. And I, I wasn't an unhealthy person, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just some of these things that I was working to rectify against my Bible, you yeah. know. But yes. But uh, so now that was interim. You yes. moved on. You're actually teaching yes. vocal um, classes at a local Christian university. Yes. Now, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that you told me is, I, I want to demonstrate vertical uh, relationship with God in worship Mm -hmm. and that you want to pass your what you've learned your talents on to other generations yeah and so yeah i i think that's awesome to to find that i mean i've had my most powerful moments spiritually in 
arenas of worship. Mm-hmm. So either people were worshiping or I was worshiping, but there was that, that presence. And those of us who have experienced that know mm-hmm. that that's life-changing, mm-hmm. literally life-changing. So let's fast forward to George Floyd, Breonna mm-hmm. Taylor, um, and Unified. Yeah. So this is coming back, bringing the topic <laughs> back. And you made a statement to me that you said you wanted to see both sides' views. Mm-hmm. And um, being biracial, that gave you some opportunities. Yeah. So t- tell me, just bring bring that bring that whole thing unified back out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I obviously had a very vested interest, you know, with my mom being white and my dad being black, and then also seeing unity actually happen but it happened around the gospel. That's the only place I've truly seen it happen. And because really culturally, my parents were extremely different. If you, um, it's not like they came from a similar area, Mm -hmm. you know, at all, um, or similar upbringing. I mean, just talk about (laughs) extreme opposites. That was them. And so, um, yeah, so culturally, even in my home, just experiencing both cultures and I felt like being raised both ways, you know, um, just I naturally had a compassion for it. And then just being around, you know, uh, my mom's side of the family, my dad's side of the family and um, really, you know, being in a multicultural church too, you get the opportunity, you know, and I've always had a passion for different cultures as well. So I think... Um, yeah, I, I just think standing in each set of shoes um, was just something I kind of grew up with, you know, always. Like, I had mm. to, it had to be part of my life, you know. Um, so now you're seeing this combination yeah. of gospel, worship, mm-hmm. multiracial attend, yeah. attendees in, in an environment that we can have Jesus at the center yes. and unifying yeah. around that. You used... Ephesians 4 and John 17 a lot, you know, mm-hmm. as we were talking before this. Yeah. And uh, so um, how, how did that end up getting birthed out? Yeah. So it was interesting because I always felt like I was going to have some role in racial healing, but I didn't know what that would look like. And then, of course, with the recent events, um, it was almost like uh like a download. I, I don't know of any other way to, you know, just where God put all the pieces together. Um, for instance, I had a, a lady who gave me um, a p- particular word and she said that we were, my husband and I had our hands in lots of different things over the years. And it was like a fruitcake where there are um, multiple different ingredients. And if you taste each of the ingredients by themselves, you know, flour or whatnot, it's bitter, you know, but when you mix them all together and bake it, it becomes this beautiful thing. And I really felt like I had a moment where it's that word never really fully made sense to me until some of the recent events. Mm. I felt like the Lord showed me, he said, you know, um, just, the worship piece. So music has a way Mm -hmm. of, um, connecting people. Mm -hmm. Right. And then on top of it in my, you know, uh, previous 
corporate career, I worked in marketing strategy, and one of my jobs was to put on these large events in the um, footprint area that the bank was in that I uh, worked for. And so, you know, just the the marketing... Let's not downplay that. You have bachelor's in business and marketing. Yeah. You're working for J.P. Morgan, and you're <laughs> running massive events. Yeah. Okay, and now you're translating yeah. all of this to something today. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, keep going. I don't But th- that was, that was, um, yeah, it was like the Lord just... It didn't make sense, some of the career changes, and, you know, I've been working, doing music, and teaching voice for the last eight and a half years, and um, I had these two passions my whole life, you know, business, and then this this other side, which is music and worship, and so anyhow, it was like the Lord was like, here, I just baked your fruitcake for you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so it was everything all together, the who I physically am, which is this biracial person who has only seen the gospel bring the healing that our world needs. And then um, music and the arts has the you know power to transcend cultures mm-hmm. and draw people, right? And then um, I already had the uh, event planning, um, you know, experience and so the event planning that didn't feel like a challenge for me I was like I know how to do this I just don't have a budget Mm. you know so the budget was going to be the challenge more than not knowing how to do it if you will so yeah so it was like that's what God did and um, of course that seems so like oh it just came but it didn't you know it was uh, really a searching out process and um, I knew from a marketing standpoint, like I really wanted the name to mean what it God wanted it to mean, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, obviously out of uh, John 17, you know, Jesus said it's his desire um, or that we that, you know, we're unified just like he and the father are. And that's how the world is going to know that he was sent by the father. So, you know, that's what this is about. It's about us unifying as Christians and then if you jump to Romans 12, 5, you know, it talks about really being different together. Like we're different parts of the body. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 4 talks about that. First Corinthians 11 talks about unity. There's so much in the Bible about unity. And, um, and so it's, yeah, I mean, it, it blows my mind now. Um, as I read the Bible, because I'm like, well, how did I miss all this? There's so much about unity. So basically, our, our the name, you know, unified, obviously, is birthed out of kind of the, the concept of John 17. And then being different together, kind of as a combo of Ephesians 4 and, and Romans 12. And it literally, um, this is what unified is. Mm-hmm. It's us coming together, but it's the body of Christ. And kind of our vision statement is amplifying our unity as followers of Jesus. So that's first, more than anything, because all the other things can't come if, um, you know, we're not centered around Jesus. So putting away, like, all the per- peripherals and just mm-hmm. saying we're coming together as followers of Jesus. We're celebrating our differences because in, you know, Revelation 7, we're going to have... Um, you know, many tribes, tongues, languages, we're all going to be around the throne. Mm-hmm. So we're basically, the idea is bringing heaven to earth, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so like, you know, Revelation 7 says, so we're amplifying our unity, um, celebrating our differences, and we're promoting racial healing. 
and but most importantly, we're sharing the love of Jesus with those who don't know him. Mm-hmm. Because if we're unified and then, you know, now we um, have, have a, a role in people coming to, to know Christ just by our unity, mm-hmm. which is insane, you know, to think that if we could just come together, like right. God says it's powerful, so we've got to believe it, mm-hmm. you know. And so then that naturally flows into us, you know, sharing the gospel with those who don't know Christ. Mm-hmm. So you ran an event in 2020 mm-hmm. um, at the State House, a, a, yeah. a unified event. But just recently, the end of June, mm-hmm. over 50 churches yeah. at 11 locations all around the city, one weekend, yeah. held this unified next door. Yeah. Wow. I. Yeah, no words (laughs) to be a part of that. Yeah. So you're saying it was from Dublin to Pickerington and from Mm -hmm. Worthington down to Grove City. Yeah. Just churches coming together and holding this, Mm -hmm. these outdoor. Why don't you tell us of like what happened? Yeah. So the the idea was for us to amplify our unity, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we initially said two to three churches, you know, kind of would come together. And we said, you know, we don't want you to duplicate Unified at the State House. The heart is, we just feel like God is just drawing us to say, let's look at Jesus as the um, kind of the, you know, what he's saying for each of our individual contexts, because each individual neighborhood is going to have a different need, right? And so, um, because it's so easy to duplicate what looks successful, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're like, let's all just look at Jesus, you know? Mm -hmm. Not that they weren't, because (laughs) many of these folks were already doing things, but they were like, yes, we love this idea of coming together. And so basically, um, there were a couple events that we even had 10 churches who came together. And so... uh, many different nationalities. I mean, there were baptisms, there were salvations, there were reports of physical healings. <laughs> there were um, some churches decided, one church decided uh, with their group of four churches, it was um, in a- one Asian church and then two other, I'm sorry, three other churches that were right in their neighborhood got together and they put scriptures on water bottles and they passed them out as an outreach like to people in the park. Um, this one was at Antrim Park. There were others that really drove home the racial healing. Mm. Um, I know, you know, each church felt had a different comfort level around mm. racial healing. Some felt like they couldn't speak to it, mm. but their display, and that's what we said, your display of unity just, I mean, and you're all worshiping together, that alone, that's it, you know? Mm. So however the Lord is leading you, whereas we had some that there were very deliberate conversations around racial healing and so everybody kind of did their own thing some did uh park cleanups some did um gosh there were so many different expressions of the gospel all around the city um it was amazing just just to see you know people reaching their individual neighborhood the way it needed to be reached. Mm. Um, There were some, one uh, particular area, there's, um, you know, high prostitution rate and homeless rate. So they fed the folks, you Mm. know, and um, had prayer tents and just there was, uh, you know, brought in police from, you know, on horses to kind of 
bridge some relational, um, you know, things with the community. Yeah, and sure. just, it was um, just really beautiful just to see us all worshiping too. That was a common, a common theme, um, was worshiping and praying for people out on mm. the streets. And so, well, I think, yeah. I think one, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people yeah. and I think, um, live in-person worship has been one of the most missed things, yeah. um, during COVID for those whose churches weren't open or for those who haven't mm-hmm. gone back to church, um, and so to see these expressions, which these were all outdoors, right? Yeah, they were all outdoors. So it, it wasn't you had to come into a church. You could mm-hmm. you could drive by, walk by, mm-hmm. walk up to it. Um, you know, you, you, you talk about we're, we're good at gathering, but it can be tricky to, on the going. Yeah. Um, obviously, worship's powerful. Mm-hmm. You had, a, you know, a speaker at each place that would talk about the gospel mm-hmm. and and all of its gore and yep. glory yeah. <laughs> and grace. And uh, so for me, I mean, yeah. any, any, any more things that we could see as public expressions of unified mm-hmm. is, uh, is awesome. And I think there's a, a huge demand for it all over our, our nation. But the fact that you're leading it here and for our city is mm-hmm. awesome to me. So if you want to kind of give people a peek at what's coming forward, like what are some yeah. of the things that you're thinking or hoping or dreaming about for, yeah. for Columbus and, and Unified? Yeah, so um, definitely. So on October 3rd, I'm sorry. Yeah, so on October 3rd at 4 p.m., we're doing another State House event. So this one is all of us coming together. Um, so it's not the individual neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but all of us coming together, I struggled a bit with doing one like this because I'm like, the neighborhoods is where it's at. You know, Mm. that's how we're going to have sustained change. But, um, actually the Lord gave me a dream because I was like, I'm not going to just press forward with whatever I want. I literally want to, um, you know, not create something and ask God to bless it, but instead say, Lord, what are you doing? Mm. And then join in with it. Mm -hmm. And so that's been my heart, but I had a dream and, October 3rd was the day I reached out to the state house and they were like, yes, got the permit. So 4 p.m. we're doing um, uh, another, you know, gospel centered worship. You know, there will be mural painters and dancers and um, spoken word. And however else God leads, we're in the throes of our choir rehearsal last year. We had 19 different churches represented in our choir this year. Uh, the choir director, Lori Deach, and I were laughing because we started our choir off. There were like four people when we started, and two of them were us. And so <laughs> this year we had 42 people signed up for our very first choir rehearsal. And so we were just floored that, um, yeah, so it's so many different churches. And it's such a beautiful thing to see people fighting for unity because you have Mm. to be so intentional. So I am careful to say that I have um, more things to come because literally I'm really trying to take it event by event Mm -hmm. to say, okay, God, what are you doing? And um, I don't want to just create something because I love it, you know, and I love to worship. So definitely we're sure the Lord's speaking unified next door again next year. And so we're hoping just, it'll just be whatever he has in mind. And then of course we've got the state house event. On so if people want to get involved or find out more, how yeah. can they do that? So they can just go to unified 
DT.com. So the DT stands for different together. So unifieddt.com, and uh, you can scroll down to volunteer, and there's lots of ways to volunteer. So either in the choir or we definitely need help with prayer teams and um, the state house provides security, so we're good there. But uh, set up and tear down. I think last year we had uh, about 60 to 70 volunteers. We're anticipating a need for more. So yeah. All right. Jump so in. go to unifieddt.com. <laughs> I'll put the link in the show yes. notes. That's October 3rd at 4 p.m. Yes. Um, and looking forward to what God has planned for doing unified next door next year and uh, so natalia thanks so much for for being on the show today and for making an impact in our city thanks for having me it's an honor thank you for listening please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends also rating and reviewing us on itunes helps get the word out